Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello, Raider fans, and welcome to Just Pod, baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. I am Evan Grote, your host. We've got a busy show forthcoming for you this week. Lots to get into. A lot happened this week. Dave Ziegler, busy guy, adding players, releasing players, putting players over on the IR. We're going to get into all of that. Um, Also, before I get into it too much here, please make sure you go out and subscribe to the podcast. That way, all of the new episodes go directly to you. You don't have to waste time searching for them each week. Just subscribe. You'll get them sent right to you. Also, give me a follow on Twitter, at egro 5 I've been having a lot of good conversations over there this week with some of you. Uh, and, of course, there's plenty to debate right now, plenty to discuss right now with the Raiders. And I always enjoy the interactions with the listeners and uh, you know, just having that healthy debate about the Raiders and you know we don't always agree but it's still a great conversation so uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, one other announcement that I have for you is is that it's been a very busy week over at sportsnot.com and as you know if you've been tuning in recently to the podcast I now am a segment producer uh, with Sportsnot and we've got some really great content uh, f- available for you uh, this week Something for everyone. That's the great thing about it. It's something for everyone, whether you're a baseball fan, basketball fan, college football, hockey, UFC, you name it. We've got you covered over there. Be on the lookout. In fact, go over there and look at it right now because it's up. Um, We've got conversations with several really good people, NFL columnist Ira Kaufman, who covers the Tampa Bay Bucks and is uh, very knowledgeable in all things related to the NFL. He's also a Hall of Fame voter for the Tampa Bay area. Um, and I'm going to also tell you right now, during the conversation that we had with him, he did get into the Raiders a little bit during that conversation. So go check that one out. And for you UFC fans out there, there's a big event coming up this weekend, UFC 281. It's at Madison Square Garden, major pay-per-view event, Israel, uh, it's Adesanya versus Alex Pereira, uh, middleweight title fight. Then on the undercard, you've got Dustin uh, Poirier and and play, uh, fighting against Michael Chandler. That should be an excellent fight as well. And then you know we've also uh, we're we're lucky enough to get Chuck Mindenhall, uh, who is the host of the Ringers MMA show. Uh, he co-hosts that show with Ariel Helwani, which is one of the top voices in. Uh, all of UFC. So you're definitely going to want to hear that one. Really good information from from Chuck Mindenhall there. Also, the World Series just wrapped up uh, last weekend, and we were joined by Gabe Lax, who covers Major League Baseball for the USA Today. He recapped it, and then we also got into some of the upcoming free agency. A lot of big-time players going to be available in the offseason. Aaron Judge of the Yankees. I'm a Yankees fan, so I'm hoping they can keep him around somehow. And then, last but not least, the great Peter King, who I'm sure all of you know. He's been one of the, you know, the, the top writers 
in the NFL for 30, 40 years now. We were lucky enough to, uh, for him to give us some of his time this week. We got into some of the topics uh, related to Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders and the possible sale. He got into Tom Brady. We got into Aaron Rodgers with him, among some of the other topics. So definitely go over there now. Check out those uh, video interviews that are available on sportsnot.com. Search it under the videos tab at the top. And, and of course, I always tweet links out to those once they are made available. And I know that you guys are here to hear, uh, hear a discussion about Raiders football. But like I've said, uh, I know a lot of you out there are fans of other sports. So I want to make I want to make sure that you're aware of some of the other content that is out there and is available for you. And I'm proud of the work being done uh, at SportsNot. So I want to make sure that I'm sharing it with you guys. Um, also, real quick, um, as far as the rundown goes, we are going to be joined by a guest this week, Kevin Bowen, who is a morning drive radio host in Indianapolis for 107.5 The Game. He's going to be joining us. I've had Kevin on before a couple years ago. Um, he's really good, and so I'm looking forward to that conversation. Make sure you stick with us uh, until segment number two. All right, let's get into it now. We're here to talk Raiders football. Let's do it. Um, I know I didn't get the recap out to you this week, and I'll be honest, going forward, the recap show, it's going to be a game-time decision for me because I'm just I'm, I'm much, much more busier um, you know, with the second job now with Sports Not, and, and sometimes things just, they come up, and uh, I have to get to it. I got to get, you know, I got some deadlines that I have to get done here. And, and so I, I may not get that recap show out to you every week. Follow me on Twitter to make sure you're, I'll keep you updated over there um, when, I, when I plan to get them out and, and when I can't. Um, but I do want to get you some of my takeaways um, from the game. So, you know, we'll start there. Um, it'll be brief. Just a, just a couple points I want to make. Um, you know, we saw a lot of the same things that we have been seeing in, in previous games. And I know, you know, it's getting a bit redundant, but the inconsistencies that we have seen in the previous seven games, it showed up again last week versus the Jaguars. Now the offense came out looking really good to start the game. Derek Carr was dealing. He looked great. Adams was getting anything he wanted. And I thought at the beginning, you know, it looked like this could be a game that might get out of hand and, and ugly for the Jaguars. But then the second half happened, <laughs> and we all know what happened there. Now, I, I thought a, a turning point in the game was late in the first half when, if you recall, the Raiders were driving Derek Carr through that ball, and it was underthrown. It would have been a touchdown. It would have been a touchdown if he had just lobbed it out there, got it in front of Amir Abdullah. Instead, he had to try to come back on it. The defender was there, and you know that, that was points off the board. And, you know, they had to bring out Daniel Carlson, settled for the field goal, and 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 then, of course, the Jaguars got the ball back and the defense, and don't worry, I'm not letting that defense off the hook because they weren't any better. They allowed the Jaguars, with only 45 seconds to go on the clock, to get down to the field, and, uh, you know, they were able to kick a field goal to make it 20-10 to 10, uh, at halftime. So I thought that was, you could just kind of sense that at that point you felt some momentum starting to, to, to shift and the fact that the Jaguars got the ball to receive the second half, um, you know, I, I just, to me, I thought that was uh, a major point part in the game. Um, the Jaguars took the second half kickoff. Nine plays later, it's a 2017 ball game. You know, and, and again, you just felt the shift, the momentum starting to shift and that is a huge thing in the game of football. Now, offensively, the Raiders went ice cold in the second half. There's no other way around it. 
five possessions, three punts, a turnover on downs, and then they had the final drive of the game that resulted in, in the fumble where they were trying to you know lateral it back and forth. Derek Carr was 5 of 15 for 36 yards in the second half. They didn't protect him well. Uh, they couldn't run the ball. And throughout the game, they were 3 for 12 on third downs. Just could not sustain a whole lot. And and that's an issue. And and the coaching staff, they failed to make any adjustments. The Jaguars coaching staff made some really, really nice adjustments at halftime. And and again, we've seen it throughout the season. The Raiders staff did not make adjustments as well. And so that's a major problem. Now, say what you want about who you think is more responsible for the collapse in the second half, because you know, the way I see it is anytime you blow a 17 to nothing lead, which it happened for the third time with the Raiders. This was now the third time that's happened this season. I'm sure you heard that stat this week. Anytime you have a collapse like that, it's a it's a team failure. I mean, it's on both sides of the ball. Now, obviously, the offense was not nearly as good uh, in the second half of the game. That's not going to get it done, you know, especially with a, Raider, a defense like the Raiders. Um, and I want to point out there was two opportunities when the score was 24 to 20. Both of those opportunities came with under seven and a half minutes to go in the game. The first possession that, that I'm talking about here was a three and out for the Raiders. Okay, I actually I actually tweeted out some videos of some of those plays in this in this drive that I'm talking about. And then the second possession they had, I believe this one came with about three minutes and forty seconds to go in the game. It resulted in a turnover and downs, four plays and out. So in the two biggest offensive possessions of the game for the Raiders with a chance to take a lead if you can score a touchdown, they were not even able to get a first down. And that, you know, that's that's not good. That's a problem. And, and at the same time, you know, you look to the defense, you know, they did give up only 10 points in the first half, but then they come out and allow the 17 points in the, in the second half. You know, can they step up? Can they create a, a, a turnover? You know, something that can just really, again, swing the momentum back into the favor uh, of the Raiders. You know, get something to help that struggling offense. And again, this is just th- the lack of, of, of complementary football. And I sound like a broken record because I feel like I say it every week. But this was probably the worst example all season long of, you know, that complementary football that we have not seen from the Raiders. Anyways, I know where we are now a few days removed for it. We're kind of moved on here. We're looking ahead to the next game, but I at least wanted to, uh, I wanted to get some of my thoughts out uh, from that game on Sunday because I missed the recap show with it this week. Now, let's move on now and, and let's discuss some of the news from this week. I mentioned Dave Ziegler. He, he was not active at the trade deadline. No moves were made, but he was busy this week making a lot of moves with the roster Jonathan Abram, the air, his era is now over in Las Vegas. They they released him earlier in the week, and and that's another Gruden player, another Gruden and Mayock player, both uh, you know gone. Um, another failed first round pick from that regime, and it should come as no surprise to anyone who follows the Raiders because you know they were shopping him uh, during the trade deadline. Nobody wanted him. They couldn't find a trade partner. The writing was on the wall for him. They didn't pick up, they didn't exercise his fifth year option. And I think a lot of other teams realized that. They knew the Raiders weren't going to bring him back. So they knew that they could sit there, be patient, and it was either going to be they released him or he's going to hit free agency and you can get him anyhow. So um, he gets a fresh start now in Green Bay. And, you know, 
we wish him luck. I, I never, once a Raider, always a Raider. So, you know, it didn't work out, but you hope for him personally, it does work out for him in Green Bay. Some of the other news this week, uh, there was an addition made to the roster as well. Corner Cornerback Sidney Jones was signed by the Raiders. There was some speculation now uh, prior to him um, signing with the Raiders that they were there was interest there. He was let go by the Seahawks, went unclaimed on waivers, and then when, when that happens, once you go through that process and you become a free agent. And so he was free to sign with whoever he wanted and he chose the Raiders. You know, he's only 26 years old, so you look at his age and you say, man, he, he's still got some years left in him, but... For me, you know, anytime you have a young player, you know, he's a former second round pick. So they're, they're, you know, the pedigree, I guess, is there. The talent is there. But he's now playing on his fourth team in five years. So I'm just not getting overly excited about him. I'm not sure what, you know, what the feeling is among the fan base with him. There's a reason why he was a free agent. There's a reason why, right? There's a reason why he hasn't, you know, caught on and, and stuck with the team. And, and, and so if you think he's going to come in and be a difference maker, you know, I just don't see that being the case. I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong because they could desperately use some help on the defense. They could use all the help they can get for sure. But, you know, to me, this is more like putting a bandaid on it, right? This is not, this is a quick fix. Maybe get you, you know, get you through a couple weeks of the season if you've got some injuries, but this is by no means a cure or, or a solution to the problem on defense. And then of course there's the bad news from this week and that news broke today. Um, at least some of it did three players this week were placed on the IR divine Diablo. He's on the IR. He's going to miss four games. And then on Thursday, the two big ones, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, both going on the shelf now for four weeks. Waller apparently had a setback, re-aggravated that hamstring injury that's been bothering him now. And this one is not going to sit well with the fan base because, you know, this one has been simmering for a while and I feel like the heat is going to be turned up now on not only him, but maybe also the general manager um, for giving him that contract. You know, it's been a frustrating situation. He got the big money contract and he has not, he hasn't really even played, I think four games, right? And, you know, I'm not one to criticize the player because, you know, he definitely outperformed that old contract. His previous deal, he obviously out outplayed it. He earned the new contract. But in hindsight, it looks like a terrible deal right now. You know, keep in mind, Waller missed several games last year and was hurt all of training camp. And and still, Ziegler went out and gave him the money. So, you know, again, we had the benefit of hindsight. Ziegler doesn't, but, you know, that, that's, part of, that's part of the job. Um, and then the other news was uh, Martinez. Blake Martinez retired. <laughs> so, I mean, he was with the team for only a couple weeks. He actually played okay. Um and, and he decided that, you know, he's had enough. So Blake Martinez retires. And so there's been a lot of news going on over there in, in Henderson. Um, overall, big picture, um, kind of going back to Waller and Renfro real quick. Um, this season is a loss, right? At two and six, the Raiders are not making the playoffs at this point. They're playing for pride only. And, you know, when on the field, Waller and Renfro, at least from a production standpoint, 
They offered very little anyways. I looked at the numbers. 37 receptions, 367 yards, and one touchdown. Combined. So it's not like they're losing a ton of production out there anyways. You know, to me, it's kind of business as usual. It's it's really the same group that you've had anyways. You still have your top two options in the passing game with Adams and Hollins. Foster Moreau, you know, he's very capable as a pass catcher. You still got Josh Jacobs, who's ran the ball really well this year. So, you know, I I know it, it sounds crazy to lose Waller and Renfro, but they really haven't been a big part of the offense anyways. And I'm not really expecting a huge drop off, to be honest. I'm just, I'm just not. Now, I have seen some talk out there about tanking, and, you know, it sure seems like that. And we all watch a lot of sports, right? And we know that tanking is a real thing. You know it happens in the NBA. It happens in Major League Baseball. And I'm not going to sit here and say that doesn't happen in the NFL because I believe it does. Now, are the Raiders tanking? You know, that's the question. I would say no at this point. I'd like to believe that maybe they're not. But, you know, we know that the season is lost, as I said. And there's no need to put players out there that are not 100%. And so I think maybe what that signals to you also is by sitting Waller and Renfro, putting these guys on the IR, is that McDaniels feels comfortable with his job security right now. He's not fearing going 5-12 and and losing his job or 6-11. and So to me, that tells you that he's confident he'll be back next year no matter what. And so there's no sense of urgency to put players out there. So maybe like unintentionally, (laughs) there's some tanking going on. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. Now, speaking of job security, this is the last thing I wanted to get to. And I know I'm throwing a lot at you here in the first segment, but I was reading an article on ESPN today. And um, I'm not sure if any of you saw it. It was by Bill Barnwell. He's got a story up at ESPN right now. And it's titled NFL players and coaches with the most to gain or lose in 2022. And he's got a, a, a part of his story is about Josh McDaniels. Now I've shared my feelings on the matter with Josh McDaniels. I'm very disappointed in him. Obviously, you know, I, I thought he was going to be much better for this team. Um, but I'm, I, I've never been a fan of the one and done, you know, when it comes to coaches, I just don't think that's, the best way to go about it. And, you know, unless something totally egregious should happen, like we saw in Jacksonville last year with Urban Meyer. You know, you've seen the, you, you've seen the revolving door uh, with coaches for the Raiders. So I, I still stand by that. I, I do think that McDaniels should be kept for the remainder of the season. I think he should get another season, as bad as that may seem. That's just my feeling. Now, Bill Barnwell feels differently. And so what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to share, I'm just going to read right from the article to you guys. And I apologize for those of you who have already read it, but I'm going to share that with you right now. Okay, so I've got the article here in front of me and it reads, Hackett is not the only first year coach on the hot seat in the AFC West. Before the season, when I wrote about McDaniels having so much riding on this season and his tenure with the Raiders, I noted that the team operates by different rules than every other NFL franchise. I expected the Raiders to decline, but I didn't think they would start two and six. And by the way, neither did I. (laughs) Vegas has been unlucky going 0-5 in one score games and posting a 7-2 mark or after posting a 7-2 mark in those same games last season. McDaniels has understandably taken some heat 
after the team blew its third double-digit lead of the season in Sunday's loss at the Jaguars. Part of life is setting expectations appropriately, and I wonder if this is where McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler have gone wrong. If the Raiders had finished 7-10 and last season, hired him and announced that they were going to spend a year or two rebuilding the roster, a 2-6 and start wouldn't be a big deal. Instead, after inheriting a playoff team built on a series of close victories over a backup or COVID-impacted quarterbacks, he traded first and second round picks for wideout Devontae Adams. Adams hasn't been the problem with the Raiders, but he also hasn't been the solution to their many issues. The last time the Raiders took this sort of step backward was 2017, when they similarly regressed past the past the mean in terms of win-loss record in close games. Team owner Mark Davis fired coach Jack Del Rio and general manager Reggie McKenzie and hired John Gruden. If they continue to flail at the bottom of the AFC West, it would be a surprise if Davis didn't make some sort of significant change. So there you heard it. Bill Barnwell, now I know he's not close to the team or anything along those lines, but you know, that's what he thinks. He thinks that if if things continue, he should be gone. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it won't happen. I'm just going to sit here and tell you that I don't think it should happen. And so I thought that was something worthwhile and I, and I, and I thought you guys would like that. So, you know, please let, let me know what you think. I, I think this is an interesting topic here and, you know, let's face it. We're not going to be able to sit here and talk about going to the playoffs. So we're going to have to have some conversations here about, the future and and what that might look like, possibly with the quarterback or with a new defensive coordinator or maybe even a new head coach. So let me know how you feel about that. Love to have that conversation with you. Uh, send me a message over at Twitter, DM, contact me at the at the website, justpodbaby.com. All right, guys, that is segment one. We're going to step aside now, get a break out of the way. And when I return, we're going to go right out to the phone lines and welcome in our guest this week uh, from 107.5. Uh, the fan in Indianapolis, Kevin Bowen, is going to join us. So don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss that conversation. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, now brought to you by SportsNot.com. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And welcome back, Raider Nation. We are here, Just Pod, baby, the Week 10 preview show. And we're going to get into that preview right now of the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, they've been in the news this week for a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons that you don't want to be in the news for. Of course, they they fired Frank Reich and they brought in a new head coach. We're going to get into all of that right now when we go out to the phone lines and we're going to welcome in our guests right now to help us uh, give us a rundown uh, on the Week 10 opponent, the Indianapolis Colts. Joining me on the line right now is Kevin Bowen, Morning Drive radio host for 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. And, and Kevin, he's covered the team for a long time, so he has some really good insight and perspective on the Colts. And Kevin, you know, we really thank you for, for giving us a few minutes of your time here today. I appreciate it, Evan. 
Now, much like the Raiders, coming into this season, the Colts had aspirations of making the playoffs, and now just nine games into the season, things have gone completely off the rails for both teams, really. Um, and, and the Colts, in particular, they made news this week for all the wrong reasons. So that's where I want to begin our conversation here. Frank Wright was fired, um, and, in, and in a very surprise move, Jeff Saturday was named as the interim head coach. And so I want to get your reaction to that. Were you completely caught off guard by this, shocked? Um, and what has been the explanation from Jim Irsay as to why Jeff Saturday, who has zero NFL coaching experience or coaching at any level, I should say, why was he the one that was chosen for this job? Well, yeah, I would say shock stunned all the above. I feel like this week's matchup was like the battle of the soap operas with the Colts and the Raiders <laughs> together on Sunday. That's true. Um, you, you know, the Reich firing, there's certainly merit for that. Um, definitely. You know, I, I, in-season firings, you can you can debate those and how effective they can be and all that, but there was definitely merit for that. Um, but Jeff Saturday, but yeah, blindsided. We have Jeff Saturday on our morning show. Um every Monday at 9.30 a.m. to recap the previous game. And sure enough, two hours later, he's the Colts interim head coach. So, yeah, I mean, we were – it was wild, to be honest with you. I'm so very surprised by how all of that went down. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think in general it's a, it's a shock. You don't – you know, you seeing guys with, you know, no college and NFL experience become, you know, interim head coaches like that in the NFL, particularly midseason. So – very curious to see how they react to it. The team has really struggled out of the gate this season, struggled early in games, and a different type of leader, and we'll see if he can institute a culture that changes some things. Now, now, from what I've been reading, he's been involved with the organization in some capacity. What could you tell us about the role that he's had with this Colts team prior to now being the interim head coach? Yeah, it, you know, kind of a paid consultant, I'd call it, a very close confidant to Jim Irsay. You know, it's weird. In a way, you know, Jeff Saturday is auditioning for this head coaching job. In another way, he's being paid to come in and assess the situation. I mean, he is a consultant. He's just not your typical independent third party here. The owner's got a lot of emotional ties to him. So Jeff Saturday is, you know, ESPN an analyst, but he's kept a close eye on things here um, at West West Boots, where they are they're located um so that is kind of how things have been handled from a saturday standpoint but again having said that it's still Frank Reich's offense and gus bradley's defense and 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 all of that now i know i know it's only been a couple of days since he's been on the job but um have you been able able to get any kind of you know feel for the locker room and, and what the reaction from the players has been like so far yeah stunned yeah i mean stunned by the news i think at the same time one thing that they've really appreciated is Saturday's combination of a little bit of a different leader, like I was saying earlier, but he's been really transparent with them in that, you know, hey, I totally get it. This looks weird, guys. <laughs> my my resume does not indicate that. I've got to go out of my way to try and earn your trust. All those things. Um, so I think that is something that Saturday's done a pretty good job of. Again, 180 in terms of leadership and fire and all of those things, but you can only do so much. I mean, your bye week isn't for another month. Not like you can make wholesale changes, change up some practice schedule, change up some speeches, et cetera. Uh, but I'll be very curious to see what, what the results look like starting on Sunday. And, you know, sometimes with these with these midseason coaching changes, 
you know, you see the team come out in the in the following week or even the next couple of weeks following the the the, the change at the coaching position. Um, and that team plays with a little bit of extra motivation. And I, and I heard some of the clips this week, some of the sound bites from Jeff Saturday. It sounds like motivation and that kind of thing is going to be uh, something he does. He's really good at. Uh, do you expect to see a little bit of a spark from the Colts this week? I mean, it doesn't sound like many people out there are, are giving them a chance in this game. But what's your take on that? Yeah, I guess it's so hard to know. I mean, again, it, it's a different voice, a different leader. Is there, you know, sometimes I think you saw Carolina, that initial, you know, rallying around the interim coach. But again, at the same time, the team that just had their worst yards per play in the history of the Indianapolis Colts last week in New England. Sam Ellinger got sacked nine times in that game. So offensively, they've just been a total, total disaster. Um, so I do think that is something that, again, how much can be changed? They're, they're play callers, a 30-year-old guy this week in Park Frazier, who's never done it. Um, Sam Ellinger's making his third NFL start. It's his third offensive coordinator. Um, so it's pretty crazy to think about not only the fact that they've made changes, but if you look at the types of changes they've made, everybody they've brought in just has no experience whatsoever at this level. You know, sometimes you see you know, the Colts had Gus Bradley and John Fox on their staff. Those are two guys that have coached the NFL for you know, multiple seasons, but they decided to pass those guys up. Jim Mercer is kind of a hopeless romantic with that era of Peyton Manning and all those guys. And Jeff Saturday, of course, is a big, big part of it. Um, and he's trying to tip or kind of dip back into it. We're chatting with Kevin Bowen, uh, radio host for 105.7 The Fan in Indianapolis. Now, you mentioned uh, the new offensive coordinator, a 30-year-old uh, guy who was a, a, a passing game coordinator, I believe, and, and a assistant quarterback coach obviously doesn't have a lot of experience calling plays if any uh, so that'll be interesting interesting to see how that all shakes out for the the Colts and you mentioned the struggles on offense now I know they made a change at quarterback um, they, they've had some issues with Jonathan Taylor staying healthy uh, the offensive line has, has been a problem if you had to pinpoint though you know the number one problem where would you look to with this Colts offense I would say the offensive line is probably where I would begin. Um, it's the highest paid group in the NFL, and it's a group that I just don't think has lived up to that. You know, I don't know what the NFL perception is nationally about the Colts, but if you look at them, um, last year Johnson Taylor ran for 1,800 yards, and he had 500 more rushing yards than anybody else in the NFL. And, yeah, he's been banged up, but even when he's been healthy, the line hasn't been able to sniff that sort of production. Uh, most sacks in the NFL, Matt Ryan was a sitting duck back there. Uh, he certainly didn't help things. He turned the ball over at a really, really high rate. But that's been the most stunning thing. Their general manager, Chris Ballard, his biggest core belief has been the offensive line. They've invested some really high draft picks into that unit. Um, again, they've paid those guys a large sum of money, and yet here they are. And it's been arguably, um, I would say, the most, if it, it, one of, if not the most, disappointing position group in the entire NFL with how things have gone this, this season. So I think that's the root of all their problems. If you start there, you know, maybe we're not talking about the firing of Frank Reich or the benching of Matt Ryan or the firing of offense coordinator Marcus Brady, but sure enough, here we are, and I think that has to do a big, big part of it. Now, uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, you talked about him, such a huge success last year and just hasn't been the same this year, and some of those injuries have to be, you know, a major part of the problem for him, and I, and I do see that he was out to practice on Wednesday. Do you have, like, a updated report uh, on him. Do you, do you think he plays this week? And if he does, do you think he'll be in line for a, a full workload? 
Yeah, it's been a weird ankle situation for him over the past month. He tweaked it um, last week, uh, or two weeks ago, I guess now, in the game with Tennessee. Uh, so the fact that he's practiced the first two days of the week, I think, is a good sign. You know, obviously the third day being Friday would be huge. Um, and still then, considering he's now tweaked it once, and the season has, you know, certainly reached a point where it's like, oh boy, how are they gonna going to respond from that? I don't think it's like a slam dunk guarantee based off, you know, how you would react to uh, normal players maybe only missed one game or the injury hasn't been a reoccurring thing. But I would say right now it is trending towards like Taylor can can give it a go. Uh, but again, I, I still think we got to wait and see. All right, good to know. Um, a couple things about the defense real quick before I get you out of here. Uh, you know, we've obviously spent a lot of time talking about the offense um, as part of their struggles. I'm hoping you could fill us in a little bit with, with the, the Colts defense. Now, Raiders fans are obviously very familiar with Gus Bradley and his scheme. Um, and I looked through some of the numbers. You know, statistically speaking, this Colts defense looks like a pretty good defense. Um, what can you tell us about their defense and, and maybe where they're, they're, they're best? Yeah, easily the defensive tackle duo. Grover Stewart um, is a great run-stopping defensive tackle, not just a space eater, a guy that makes plays, number 90. And then DeForest Buckner, number 99, who they traded for a few years ago. A really active, long guy. I can help you out against the pass as well. can play the run very well. So I would say that area really, really helps you out in terms of setting the tone. Um, and then for the most part, they're just pretty solid. The linebacker group has stepped up with Darius Leonard, now Shaquille Leonard. Being banged up, um, he's a guy that you know played a little bit more last week, so he could see his playing time continue to increase. They haven't you know been a great sack team this year. They haven't been a great turnover team this year. They've just been a pretty solid unit. Having said that, they played some very bad offenses. I think you have to acknowledge that. And even with the Hunter Renfro news and the Darren Waller news, I still think just that duo of Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs could arguably be the best school group that they've seen all year. So I think that's something you have to point out. Yeah, and that kind of leads me right into my – my last point that I w- I wanted to make, you know, you look at the matchup with the Raiders, you know, they're going to be without Waller and Renfro. Um, you know, you mentioned Adams. Is there, a, is there, a, I guess maybe outside of Adams, is, is there a matchup there or a specific area that you could see, you know, potentially uh, being a problem for the Colts defense? Well, I, you know, again, I feel like just the talent of Jacobs and Adams, you know, individually, I mean, the best receiver they've seen all year is Terry McLaurin. I mean, the best running back, Derrick Henry, again, it's a very different style runner in, in Jacobs than Henry. I just think that combination is really unlike anything they've seen. You know, Washington doesn't have a running back to complement Terry McLaurin. Tennessee certainly doesn't have a wideout to complement um, a guy like Henry. So I, I just think that duo, um, you know, the safety group is a little bit they, – they, they start a rookie or they played a rookie at free safety. Uh, but it's not like they're particularly young at one spot or super inexperienced at one spot. So – um, I just think it's that combination. And, uh, you know, honestly, Derek Carr, uh, you know, outside of Patrick Mahomes, he's probably the best quarterback they faced all year. Russell Wilson would be in that group, but obviously he's really struggled this season. So I, I think all of that, when you combine it together, uh, that's what can make for a challenge. Hey, you know, real quick, I was just thinking about this. I was looking through the standings. You know, as, as bad as things have been for the Colts this year, you know, three and five right now with the tie, there's still only two games out in that in that AFC uh, South Division. It, it, do, I know it, it kind of seems like there's maybe some tanking going on, I guess you could say it, it, it with the Colts, but 
you know, is there still some belief you, you feel in that locker room that, hey, if we could if we could just get something going here, we could get ourselves back into this race? I know they lost two games to the Titans already, but do you do you feel sure. like there is some, some hope there that they could maybe get something going and at least make it competitive within the division? You know, there's a common phrase, Evan, we say here in Indianapolis, and that's God bless the AFC South. Um, it is the gift that keeps on giving. It's the gift that keeps all four of those teams feeling, uh, maybe not Houston, but feeling like there is some hope that, they can still be in it. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at it from a mathematical standpoint, you are right. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, Tennessee's not going to run away with it. I just don't think they're potent enough to run away with it either. Um, but at the same time, again, the Colts have had a lead for, like, I don't think it's like 10% of the minutes all season long. So I think when you think about that, um, it's not like it's, it's the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders have put together, you know, 17-point leads in, what, three games this season and a – you know, had all these one possession games. The Colts have not even shown, you know, long stretches of, you know, strong football, particularly uh, with this, um, with Sam Ellinger under center. All right, good stuff there. Good, good little rundown for you, uh, for us uh, from Kevin Bowen, one hundred five point seven, the fan in Indianapolis. Kevin, we appreciate the time, and we hope you enjoy the game on on Sunday. You bet. Thanks for having me, Evan. All right, there he goes, Kevin Bowen with uh, one hundred five. Point seven, the fan. Um, you know, I mentioned the defense there in our conversation, and I was—I I got some numbers here written down. I was—I was actually very impressed. At least, again, statistically, I haven't watched the Colts really play um, too much. A little bit. I have Michael Pittman on my fantasy team, but um, here's some numbers defensively for you. They are, um, as far as points allowed, they are 13. They're a top 13 scoring defense. Points allowed 20 points a game. Against the run, they're a top 14 defense, allowing 116 yards per game. Um, they really excel uh, in pass, in, in pass defense, only giving up 192 yards per game. So um, not bad. N- not not a bad defense here. I think the problem is they get overlooked so much because the offense is so poor. So when you, when you think about the Colts, you think about that terrible offense and they – and they take up a lot of the headlines. But this is not a defense that, you know, the Raiders might have some difficulties here moving the ball on this defense. So this could be a game where, you know, I, I think the Raiders are, well, they were six-point favorites prior to the Renfro and Waller news, which I, it shouldn't really move the line too much. But, you know, this might be a game where it's, you know, 21-17, uh, kind of a, a, a low-scoring game. I would not be surprised at all to see that. So we're just going to wait and see, but all right, everybody that is going to do it for this week. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please follow me on Twitter and also head over to sportsnot.com and check out some of those video interviews that I told you about at the top of the show. All right, guys, take care. Everyone have a great weekend. I want to say happy veterans day to all the veterans out there. Thank you very much for your service. And, uh, until the next time I am Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.